Welcome to the Happy Valley Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We are so glad that you have decided to listen to the message that God has brought through Brother Tim this week. This sermon was recorded on Sunday, July 17, 2022, and released on Sunday, July 31, 2022. This week's message is titled, Nothing But the Truth, and the scripture reference is 2 Samuel chapter 18, verses 28-33. through 33. My prayer is that this message is a blessing to you. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the sermon. Heavenly Father, you know what they've just seen. I'm asking you to just bless me with your presence and everything that I do today and just help them to understand what I mean to say by this. And, and it's your words and not mine. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Nothing but the truth. Our scripture today is 2 Samuel 18, 28 through 33. And I'll read it to you. And Ahimaaz called and said unto the king, All is well. And he fell down to the earth upon his face before the king and said, Blessed be to the Lord thy God, which has delivered up to the men that lifted up your hand against my lord the king. And the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Ahimaaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant, and me and thy servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. And the king saith unto him, Turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. And behold, Cushy came, and Cushy said, Tidings, my lord, the king, for the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushy, Is the man young, is young man Absalom safe? And Cushy answered, The enemies of my lord, the king, and all they rise against thee, to thee do hurt, but as that young man is. And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee. O Absalom, my son, my son. So the background on this is that the first runner that went in there and talked to the king and delivered the message was supposed to be the second runner, but he won the race. He passed the first runner. So the first runner was supposed to, the original runner was supposed to be there first, was supposed to deliver the bad news and then be avenged. Notice how it's worded differently. So the first runner said that they had a great victory, but he didn't know anything about the son. It wasn't his message to deliver. But the only thing he was concerned about through both messengers was his son. Where is my son? So the tragedy of the church today is that we have only proclaimed a partial message. The proclamation of salvation without repentance is tragedy because it is a mockery to the cross. But the proclamation of salvation without the Holy Spirit is the greatest with only part of the process. It doesn't work. So you went to the front and prayed at the altar, did you? Repent, did you? Make a statement of faith. The fact depends on the person's perspective. Listen to the following. And this is an old song. I know we're going to have some people that know it. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Conceited much? But let's do it again. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Perspective is everything. So just because we see what we see doesn't mean that's the whole truth. It's like I said, the Metropolitan Insurance Company has published a list of reasons and excuses for auto accidents. An invisible car came out of nowhere, struck my car, and vanished. That's number one. Number two, the pedestrian had no eye which direction to go, so I ran over him. I had been, I've been driving for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. 40 years, right? 
The indirect cause was this little guy in a small car with a big mouth. The other driver was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. <laughs> so King David was one of the most perplexing paradoxes of biblical history. He's been called to the highest star in the Old Testament. He has provided our most beautiful scriptures in Psalms. He was the greatest king of Israel. His life was such a paragon of the virtues of leadership that he became a prototype of the Messiah in Jewish understanding. Yet it was this same David who yielded to the passions of the flesh, who committed adultery, and who amassed deceit upon deceit to try to cover up his treachery. We have many pictures of David in Scripture. This pathetic picture painted of David in our text for today comes long after his double sin of adultery and murder, although it was directly tied to it. With the stories of David's sin and deceit, no doubt part of the common court gossip when he grew up, Absalom overheard the whispered tales of his father's guile with it at an early age. Thus, it was not until it was not difficult to understand why the growing disrespect Absalom had for his father exploded into rebellion and eventually motivated him to attempt to put his father out of power and gain the throne for himself. Absalom almost succeeded. The times had been difficult for David, but now the tide began to turn. A growing number of people began to align themselves once more with David, and led by his talented general Joab, the forces of David had almost succeeded in recovering the kingdom of Israel. The climactic battle was still to be fought. David's troops, led by Joab, were to meet those in Absalom in the woods of Ephraim. David remained in the city on the promise of his advisors that they would send him immediate word when the battle was over. David's forces proved supreme that day, and despite his repeated warnings, Absalom, his rebellious son, was killed, and the battle was over. The victory had been won. Absalom was dead. Now word was sent to the king. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 18, 19, that Ahimaaz asked Joab if he could take the message to the king. Verse 121 tells us of Cushy was sent instead. Ahimaaz pers persisted in his request in verse 22 to be sent as well. And a few moments later, and he was sent with another message, with the message as well. So I can imagine Ahimaaz as he stretched out his long legs and swiftly swept across the plains to the city. I can see him as he gave everything he could trying to reach the city first. He passed Cushy and came to the city first where King David was sitting between two gates. So, I mean, they turned it into a race. And the, one, the wrong one hit first. So Ahimaaz came and knelt before David and cried in an exalted voice in verse 28, The victory has been won and you are king once more. But David, wanting to know about his prodigal son, asked in verse 29, What about my son? Is he safe? Ahimaaz said he had Seen a crowd, but he did not know anything about Absalom. Remember, he had been there when Absalom had been killed. He had been there even after Cushy, but because he was afraid of the reaction of the king, he was afraid to deliver the full message. As soon as he rose, Cushy came panting into the king's presence. He too knelt at the feet of David. He too proclaimed the note of victory. Again, David asked about his son. In verse 32, knowing of David's love for his son and yet feeling an overwhelming urge to deliver the whole message, he said, the king's son is dead. Ahimaaz run with all his might. He had come, to the first, come in first because of his zeal. But when he arrived in the city, he did not deliver the full message. He delivered the message of victory. But he did not deliver the message of judgment. He told David his armies had won the battle, but he did not tell him the price that had to be paid for that victory. The death of his precious son. Ahimaaz refused to deliver the whole message. The whole truth. 
That's what's happening in our churches today. The failures to deliver the full message to the world today is what one writer has recently called the evangelical dilemma. Many of our churches are growing and people are being saved. The problem is that the conversations do not stick. The fruit does not remain. Six months later, there is nothing to be seen for all the aggressive evangelism and the children baptized in yesteryear are not actively involved in the church of today. Many different reasons may be suggested for this curious phenomenon. But I believe that at the heart of the problem is a failure on the part of the Christian church to proclaim the word to the world the full message of God. In other words, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We proclaim the message of victory, but we often fail to explain the price that was paid on that cross. We present the challenge, but do not mention the power that is available to meet that challenge. We can begin by affirming that the good news of salvation is certainly part of the message. Nothing I say should be taken to, as a contradiction to that. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, or the precious promise of Romans 10.13, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's real truth. The good news that Jesus saves all those who call upon his name is at the very heart and the center of the Christian message. That is where we must begin the proclamation and the message of Christ. We must start with the message of salvation because people still need to be saved. Ralph Neighbors, who carried out one of the most creative ministries in, our con in, in the convention when he was pastoring a church in Houston, Texas, said, This generation of non-church people is the neediest in the history of the human race. They have not found any answers and they are looking desperately for some way out. He told of visiting one house where a number of people lived in a commune-type atmosphere. He was impressed by the fact that every room in the old dilapidated house, which was a scene of action for some 15 or so dropouts from our society, had at least one hand-painted picture of Christ on the cross. These were youth who had been violent in their condemnation of the church, but they were obviously haunted by Christ. So even though they didn't want him there, he was there. That's the picture of our generation, people who are on the outside who are hard and cold and sophisticated and apparently self-reliant, but who on the inside are confused and broken, with their emptiness screaming for something or someone to give order or confusion to put the broken pieces back together again to fill the emptiness. I see it every week as I talk with people. I see it every day as I go into the homes of people in our city. People still need Christ. They still need to be saved. We must start with the message of salvation because Jesus is still in the business of saving people. A young girl experienced a new life in Christ shortly after that. She gave her testimony. I was a nobody, but God made me somebody. God is still in the business of making somebodies out of nobodies through the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Whenever we call upon the Lord, we will be saved. And when we are saved, we are born into a new life from which we cannot be unborn. We Christians have planted within our heart the love of God from which nothing, but neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from our God. We must never forget that the note of victory, the promise of freedom, the good news of salvation is part of the message of Jesus Christ. It's one of the few books where you get the end at the beginning of the New Testament. Our ending is, is guaranteed. We must go on quickly to say that it is not the full message. We have a large number of people who claim Christ as Savior and ask Him into their hearts. 
but we have so few that really serve the Lord. We have so few who live victorious lives. We have so few like the first disciples who are powerful in their influence, bold in their witness, and pure in their living. Why? Because like Ahimaaz, we have only delivered part of the message. The message, salvation is available to every person, but there is more to that message. There is no salvation without repentance. We must add this important word, there is no salvation without repentance. From the time Jesus initiated his ministry with the words in Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. To the time Jesus answered a probing question of his disciples with, the, with this retort, no, but unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. To the time Simon Peter, answering the piercing question asked by the Pentecostal penitents, what must we do? With his challenge to repent, the message is always the same. There is no salvation without repentance. It is one thing to agree that we are sinners. It is another thing to be willing to give up our sin. It is one thing to acknowledge that we are going in the wrong direction. It is another thing to turn from that way and begin to go the way of Christ. A young boy was scoldingly asked by his mother one morning, aren't you ashamed at staying in bed past noon? To which the boy answered, yes, I am ashamed, but I would rather be ashamed than to get up. Many people are ashamed of their sins, ashamed of what they are, ashamed of what they have done, but they would rather be ashamed than to give these things up. It takes more than shame to be saved. It takes repentance. If we say we want to be saved, but we are not willing to turn from our sin, we are only fooling ourselves. There is no salvation without repentance. So what is repentance? Sam Jones was close when he said repentance means that you are so sorry for your sins that you aren't going to do them anymore, and there is no salvation without that. We must also add this positive note that there is no salvation without spiritual power. When we turn to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and sets up residence in our lives. What does this mean? It means that we become a Christian. We no longer have to face life alone. We no longer have to solve our problems alone. We no longer have to meet temptation alone. We no longer have to relate to the world alone. We no longer have to face death alone. We have the promise of God's Holy Spirit living within us. I'm convinced that most Christians live in defeat because they don't realize that at the conver conversion, the Holy Spirit came to live within them. The tragedy of the church today is that we have only proclaimed a partial message. Why is that a tragedy? Tragedy? The proclamation of salvation without repentance is a tragedy because it's a mockery to the cross. But the proclamation of salvation without the Holy Spirit is the greatest tragedy of all. Because in proclaiming such a message, we have stripped the gospel of its power. We have taken the power away from our Christians. You know, uh, was Mark Jesus? Hey, he saved people. He had the power. It came with the Holy Spirit. But we don't proclaim that and it's, it's ours too. We can bring, you know, give sight to the blind. We can have people walk again. We have that power. It's not watered down. That's like saying he doesn't have enough to cover everybody. His power is eternal. It flows through every one of us. If we believe we can, we can. It says that. It tells us we have the power. So let's look back to verse 23 now. But howsoever he said he, let me run, and he said unto them, run. Then Ahimaaz ran by the way of the plain and overran Cushi. So he passed the first messenger. 
Remember that is a long distance race. It's not a sprint. Take one day at a time. Set your sights on eternity. Every day is a new day. The Christian walk is a journey. Ask God to give you the second wind. Renew your strength in the Lord. Know the course, of course. Ahamas saw the tumult, but he did not know what the commotion was all about. He did not understand the death of the king's son. Absalom, Joham told him, you do not have a message prepared to give. Many people are diligent in running the race, but they do not know where they are going. There are those who are preaching a doctrine, but they do not know what they are talking about. They have no message. There are no shortcuts. You have to get in that Bible. You have to study. If you don't have the words, direct them to somebody that you know who does have the words. Go see your parents. Go see your pastor. Go see whatever. But, I mean, they need to know that it's here. All of it's here. Cushy was the messenger of bad report. Joab sent him running first to tell King David of the death of his son. After he had gone some distance, Ahimaaz, the bearer of good tidings, pleaded that Joab allow him to run. So Joab outran Cushy. My speculation is that perhaps he took a shortcut, a simple, I simply want to remind you that there are no shortcuts to success in the ministry. It takes work, work, and then more work. Read the testimony of the Apostle Paul in Acts 20. He worked night and day, and with tears he ran the race of his advancement in the kingdom of God. Life is more than a competition. Perhaps Ahimaaz simply outran Cushy. Can you envision him sprinting by Cushy? There are many people in life who are running on a low ebb. Cushy was the messenger who had to bring a bad report. He was running with a heavy burden, so he probably wasn't in that big a hurry. I wonder how many people that we sprint past without ever seeing the heartache that they're carrying. When smiling Ahimaaz finished the race and stood before King David, he was not even aware of the fact that the king's son had lost his life in that battle. May we slow our lives down enough not to pass the many opportunities that we have to lift another's burden. May we learn to weep with those who are weeping. You can run the entire race and finish the course all in vain. There is but one question the king wanted to know when Ahimaaz stood before him. What about my son? That's the same question that God is going to be asking you when you finish your race. What about my son? Have you taken the time to learn about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? Jesus is the king's son. Do you know him? Have you experienced the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in your life? Or are you running on the wrong road, a broad road of destruction? If so, you too will hear these words from the king. Step aside, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Heavenly Father, we ask you to just bless us with your presence and and just do your will in our lives. We ask you to be with everybody and let them understand exactly what you need done. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that you know Jesus as your personal Savior. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior and would like to talk with someone, we would love to talk with you. We are in the Carlsbad, New Mexico area at 4103 West Texas Street. Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. and Sunday morning services start at 10.45 a.m. We also have a Wednesday night Bible study that meets at 6 p.m. We encourage you to get connected to a local church in your community and get involved in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ.
To stay up to date on all the happenings at Happy Valley Baptist Church, you can go to facebook.com slash hvbcnm. That is facebook.com slash hvbcnm, as in Happy Valley Baptist Church, New Mexico. To find additional podcast sermons, you can go to podcast.hvbcnm.org. Thank you and God bless.